Let's all stand. So get everybody stand up with me, please. All right. Lord, we are so thankful, so thankful for what you did for us some 2,000 years ago. Lord, you provided the means for our salvation. We can only say we thank you and we receive what you provided for us through the cross and through the empty tomb. We honor you today and worship you today. We just want to lift you up so that each one of us, every heart, every person would be touched, profoundly touched by the living God. We are so blessed. We are so thankful. Thank you for the community of believers that we are today here, not only at Harvest Church, but throughout the Central Coast. We bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Through the
so much for this beautiful day to gather, to remember what you've done for us, how you set us free. God, I pray for every heart here this morning that they would know the love of Jesus today. God, that they would know that they're not alone. God, that you walk with us all the days of our lives. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your great love for us. And we worship you for who you are, Jesus.
reoccurring fear that uh, we're going to hold a service like this and nobody's going to show up. <laughs> so thanks for not making that fear a reality. So quick joke. Quick joke before you sit down. Quick joke before you sit down. So a Jewish rabbi confesses to his wife. He said, I sold the family burial tomb. She said, what? How could you sell the family burial tomb? I plan to be buried there with you and the family. What are you doing? What are we going to do? He said, she said, How did, who did you sell the tomb to? He said, well, this guy named Jesus. The good news, he only needs it for a few days. Amen. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we pray for good weather. 
And here it is. We're so grateful. Thank you, Perry. We titled the whole event today without fear. We're, we, we just believe that God would call us and would challenge us to live our lives without fear. You guys are proving that that is your goal as well as you are here today. God wants us to live. He wants his people to live without fear. So welcome. God bless you. It was early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb, and the women had, encounter, had an encounter with an angel. And then, shortly thereafter, they had an encounter with the living God, with Jesus the Lord. Both, the angel of the Lord, both of them said, the angel of the Lord and Jesus the Lord said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's handled. Jesus has it under control. He's risen from the dead. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. The resurrection. It means that Jesus is who he said he is, who he said he was. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He's the only way to heaven. With that, let's take a moment and we'll pray and we'll continue with the message. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your presence here. I pray, we pray together, God, that you would remind us of the reason that we're gathered, that, that we would be so built up and encouraged with the truth of the resurrection. God, that we would leave today with a better understanding greater clarity around the resurrection. God, we invite you to speak to us personally and corporately. God, that you would do what only you can do. Minister to every soul that gathers, not only here, but all over the Central Coast, wherever people are gathered. We pray that you'd be ministering, speaking, and moving. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We love you. Thank you that you're alive. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Jesus is who he said he is who he said he was. He is faithful. He was dead, and now he is alive. So we celebrate. The whole world celebrates. I remember after a baseball win when I was a little guy, we would, uh, after a baseball win, we'd all jump into the back of the truck. Remember those days when you could pile into the back of the coach's truck and head to Foster Freeze and get ice cream? That was the deal. We would celebrate the win by piling in going down the freeway and everybody's just kind of blowing in the wind, but we would celebrate with some ice cream. We're at the end of a good season in any sport. We would gather for food at a pizza place and we'd celebrate with awards and, and all kinds of fun to celebrate the end of a season. When my kids were growing up, we had sports banquets that we'd gather for. Hundreds of people gathered for sports banquets and celebrate the coaches and the teams, the players. There's always a celebration. And we remember all of the celebrations in our lives, but sometimes we forget the work and effort it took to get to the celebration. There's a ton of work going into the celebration, the end result which, that allows us to celebrate. So today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we will also reflect on a few other things. We will answer five questions today. Here are the questions. Number one, what did Jesus accomplish before the resurrection. Number two, why was Jesus put to death? Number three, why was the resurrection necessary? Number four, 
Why is the resurrection celebrated? And number five, what do we do with this Jesus? What do we do with Jesus? Number one, what did Jesus accomplish before the resurrection? And Jesus offered himself as a sin offering for the whole world. Jesus was born, he lived and died to call people to God and to offer his life as a ransom for many. How did this happen, you might ask? Well, there's a word that we use, it's called the incarnation. It literally, incarnation means literally to put on flesh. And this is exactly what Jesus did. The Lord Jesus, who was fully God, took on flesh and was born as a baby. We celebrate his birth at Christmas. He was raised in a family with parents and siblings and responsibilities and all of the normal challenges of life, except he was without sin. If you've raised kids, you know that no kid is without fault, without sin. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. Maybe that word sinned is new to you, that word sin. What does that mean? To sin basically means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. So recently, this last Thursday, I started, well, a couple weeks ago, I started running again for the first time in probably the last year and a half. My knees were hurting, and so I stopped running for the last year and a half, and somebody prayed for my knees, and I started running again. So there you have it. God is still a healer today. So I get running, and my goal is to run a mile and a half. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you haven't been running for the last couple of years, it's a big deal. My lungs and legs and heart were screaming at me, and so I only made it about a mile out before I stopped. I'm going to build, and I will get to the mile and a half mark, but in this scenario on Thursday, I missed the mark. I sinned, as it were, not in a spiritual sense, but to define the word sin, it means to miss the mark. So my mark was the mile and a half marker. I made it to a mile. So that is essentially what it means to miss the mark, to sin in that way. God has a mark. Did you realize that God has a mark? He has expectations for humanity. For instance, God said in Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness against your Neighbor, what does it mean to bear false witness? It means to lie, right? So God is essentially saying, thou shall not, you should never lie. So when we lie, even when it's a small white lie, when we lie, we have missed the mark. And the Bible's full of expectations that God has for us. The, the Ten Commandments, this is the Ninth Commandment, but there's nine others and plus a whole 66 books of the Bible where God has expectations for his people. So one of the marks is that we would be honest, that we would never lie. Any, anybody ever lie once in their life? Okay, I would say most of us have probably fudged the truth just a little bit, told a little white lie. So if that's you, then you have missed the mark and you have sinned. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The penalty, the payment for sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So imagine Jesus through all of his life, including his adolescent years. Imagine that he never sinned. He never broke the laws of God. He was perfect. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.22, speaking of Jesus, he said, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. 
For the rest of us, Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, every single one of us. Romans 5, 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, lost in our sin, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So what did Jesus accomplish before the resurrection? Jesus offered himself as a sin offering for the whole world. He was born. He lived and died to call people to God and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Romans 6, 23, again, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus was born, and his whole purpose in in being born was to die, to die for the sins of mankind. Matthew 20, 28 says, uh, speaking of himself, Jesus said, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, Jesus was born. He lived and died to call people to God and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Number two, why was Jesus put to death? We've been touching on it. It's Because of sin, because of sin in the world, Jesus took the sins of the world upon himself so that those who accept his sacrifice might be forgiven of their sins. The ancient prophet Isaiah, called the Shakespeare of Hebrew literature, was a poet who understood the two-sided nature of God's character. There was mercy, but then also judgment. There was grace, but also discipline. Justice, but also forgiveness. Exile, and also salvation. Isaiah wrote prophetically 700 years before Christ was born. 700 years before Jesus was born, lived, died, and resurrected from the dead. And he wrote 700 years in advance what would happen to the Messiah. This is what Isaiah wrote about the Savior of the world. Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus, It says this, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us Like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth, unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. 
But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Why was Jesus put to death? Because the penalty for sin is death. Jesus took my sin. He took our sin upon himself so that those who accept, so that we might accept his sacrifice and be forgiven of our sins. Why was the resurrection necessary, number three? Why was the resurrection necessary? The resurrection demonstrates that everything he said is true. He told his followers, I will be killed and then on the third day I will be resurrected. Jesus told his disciples that he would die, but on the third day he would rise again. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he is and who he said he was. Dr. David Jeremiah wrote, scripture tells us that we are separated from God because he is holy he is holy and we are not. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We read about that in Romans 3.23. We cannot measure up to his standard and we cannot go to heaven in our own imperfection. But Almighty God devised a plan, a plan of redemption. He would send his only son, Jesus Christ, to this world to live a perfect life and he would ultimately go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Some wonder... How could one man do that? And the answer is, no mere man could. But this man was the son of God. He was God in the flesh, and only through him can we come to God fully justified. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Dr. David, David Jeremiah continues, only by placing our trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins can we go to heaven. And because Jesus Christ came back from the grave, demonstrating the reality of his words and the truthfulness of his statements, we know that his words are true. Now we know why the resurrection of Jesus Christ was necessary. His whole reputation was was counting on this resurrection. If he did not resurrect from the dead, then everything that he said was a lie and not worth following, but he did. So with that, number four, why is the resurrection celebrated? Why do we celebrate the resurrection? Well, the resurrection represents new life for each and every one of us who would welcome Jesus into our lives, to have our sins forgiven and to be welcomed into the family of God. It represents new life new hope, new purpose, new promise in Jesus. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he claimed to be, so we celebrate the resurrection 2,000 years later because people for 2,000 years have been trusting that resurrection, have been trusting that name. 
They've been putting their trust in the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They've been trusting Jesus for the salvation of their souls. Broken people, people who desperately needed forgiveness of their sins. Good people who also recognized that they needed the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good, the bad, the ugly, everybody in between. People who need Jesus come to him and find forgiveness there. We celebrate the resurrection because 2,000 years ago, Jesus made the only way possible to heaven. And people have been trusting Jesus for their salvation ever since. Let's read the biblical account in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Imagine the scene. A large earthquake because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. He rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. Imagine the, their, their emotion, their, what they're experiencing as they went to go visit the tomb, and they realize that Jesus is resurrected. The women ran quickly from the tomb, verse 8. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. I love that statement because I've experienced that in my own life. Jesus meeting me in my desperate time of need, being faithful to me when I'm not worthy of his faithfulness, being good to me when I'm not worthy of his goodness. Jesus met them. <laughs> he, he met them and greeted them. This is what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us. He wants to meet us and greet us and then give us a message. They ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. So the angel of the Lord spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. Jesus met them, greeted them, and gave them the same message. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. He's well. He's present with us. I'm declaring to you today that we are to be without fear in Jesus' name. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus made the way to heaven. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is faithful. So with all of the information that we've gathered this morning, what do we do with this Jesus? What do we do with Jesus? I remember when I was in middle school, 
I was confronted with the gospel, the good news that for whatever reason, because he decided to, not because I was good, but Jesus, he loves me. I, I was confronted with that revelation that Jesus loves me and that he wanted to forgive my sins, that he had a good plan for my life, that he wanted to be a part of my life. I, I remember being broken. It's just a young guy being broken by that revelation, that information, that truth that I knew God was speaking to me. What do we do with Jesus? I want to encourage you, don't be afraid. Welcome him into your life. Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. He loves you and no matter what you've done or on the other side of things, no matter how good you think you might be, you need Jesus and by his grace, he welcomes you. Some are afraid, some here are afraid to follow Jesus. Maybe you're, you've tried and it hasn't worked out. I would just tell you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to follow Jesus. Some are afraid of what others might think if you started following Jesus. Don't let the fear of man keep you from following Jesus. Some are afraid of what Jesus might expect. Trust me, whatever Jesus expects, the, the blessings on, on the other side of following Jesus is so outweighs the, the expectation that Jesus might have. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do we do with Jesus? Can I encourage you and invite you to give your life to Jesus? We're going to have a baptism. Baptism is a time when people who have decided to believe and follow Jesus make a public declaration of their faith. They're saying to the world, to everybody who will witness, to God and to the world, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an opportunity to be baptized today. We've got a handful of people who've committed to be baptized ahead of time. But if you're here today and you have given your life to Jesus or want to give your life to Jesus and you want to get baptized, then I'm going to encourage you after we pray to go back to the tent behind me and uh, we'll have a t-shirt and change of clothes for you and um, you'll have the opportunity to be baptized. With that, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer and um, do some business with the Lord. Lord Jesus, we are so humbled by your presence, God. We're so humbled by your goodness. God, I know that you've been speaking to people like you spoke to my heart so many years ago, and I thank you for that. Listen, if you're here today with everybody's eyes still closed as we continue to pray, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord, you simply do this. You tell God you need him. You say, Lord, I need you. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to come into my life. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your mercy. And as you humbly acknowledge your need to the living God, to Jesus the Lord. He will come into your life and forgive your sins. He will adopt you into his family and make you his own. So Lord, I pray that as people make that decision today, that it would stick and that those people would be bold 
to follow you all the days of their lives. Thank you for your amazing grace. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'd like to get baptized, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship some more. As we stand up, if you'd like to be baptized, make your way to the baptism tent directly behind the platform, and we will get you prepared for baptism. In the meantime, we will sing some songs and continue to worship the Lord.
this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, church. We're so glad that you were here with us this morning. We just want to just take a moment and just pray as we close the service. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we love you. Would you just seal upon our hearts all that has been done here today? God, would you just draw hearts unto yourself? And would you cause us to be a reflection of your love to a dying, hurting world around us that is so in need? And I pray that you would help us to walk without fear into this week ahead, that we would lean into you for strength, for guidance, for everything that we need, Lord, that you care for us so much. You know the hair is on our head and you know every anxious thought. And so we look to you, Jesus, for all that we have need of. Thank you for coming. Thank you for living and dying and rising again that we could be free. So we celebrate you, Jesus, this morning. We give you our hearts and all of our thanks in his precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Well, that song that we close with uh, is called Walk Without Fear, and that's our special gift to you this morning. We have a recording of it available on iTunes, on Spotify. You can find the lyric video on YouTube, so I hope that you'll look that up. You can hop on our church website to find all those links, but it's just our gift to you that you could carry this day with you forward and walk without fear. So we're going to have that lyric video playing after service here, but before we wrap up, we, we have some special announcements from our kids director. Leslie is going to tell us about the Easter egg hunt, so don't go far if you've got kids. Kids are going to want to stick around for this. Hey everyone, all right, we have our Easter egg hunts going on right now, right after service. They're going to begin in just a few minutes. So if you have kiddos between the ages of zero and 10 years old, we have a hunt for four to 10 year olds in the first area. You'll see a balloon arch that's orange and yellow and white. You'll see that on the right side down the driveway. So if you have a four to 10 year old, go ahead and go down there. If you have a birth to three year old, you're gonna continue past that one. You're gonna see a second balloon arch on your right and that's where you're gonna go for those kiddos. So, all right, happy Easter everyone, you're dismissed.
that covers me.